Hello, citizens of Bunga. It's Alpha Bunga Bunga, the global politics podcast at the end of the end of history. This is another three articles in which we each bring an article to discuss, and then we discuss it. The date is Sunday, the 18th of October. Uh, you're listening to this later, but uh, the articles uh, are, if not quite timeless, then definitely still relevant uh, two weeks from now when you're hearing this. My name is Alex Hoagley in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and this podcast is also Philip Cunliffe and George Hoare, who are in the UK, but also with me um, very intimately with me in my heart right here. That's that's what an introduction. I don't have anything to add. I'm really okay. touched, George, uh, Alex, sorry. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure you can't even remember my name. <laughs> um, all right, so let's, uh, let's go through. We've got three articles, one about cosmopolitanism, one about austerity, and uh, one about social control. Um, so big, meaty topics uh, and ones which um, will have a lot of lasting relevance, I think. So uh, let's start with cosmopolitanism. George, tell us uh, what you've brought us today. Yeah, so for today's show and tell, I've gone for Is Cosmopolitanism Our Destiny? The dominance of the high-status political ideology might not withstand our fractured age. And this is a piece from Unheard, 13th of October 2020, obviously, um, by Aris Rusinos. Um, And I went for this because I thought it was an interesting um, take on what cosmopolitanism is and why it has been successful um and so basically the the starting point that aris takes is that there is a um book that's just come out the struggle over borders by a study by some dutch and german sociologists um and so he calls cosmopolitanism the instagram story of political ideologies and the basic argument here is that it's uh, this idea is predominant in the tastemaking class of the entire Western world and has gone from being a fairly niche topic in political philosophy around 20 years ago to being um, essentially characteristic of, an in, of the outlook of, a, of an entire group um, of people and, and, a, and a very um, influential one. So I think what, what I found interesting in this or what I thought resonated and was essentially correct was the importance of the moral aspect. So it might be put forward as a, as a political philosophy or a, a case of political theory, but in fact, the um, open borders, universal norms, super, supranational authority, um, these things are put as the moral destiny of the world. And this importantly allows opponents of cosmopolitanism to be painted as narrow-minded chauvinists under the spell of populist demagogues. So, yeah, I think um, this hits, hits the nail on the head in terms of de- describing what cosmopolitanism is in terms of an outlook of a, of a particularly privileged um, and in, an influential group. Um and then finishes on on a nice note as well, which maybe we can talk about in a bit, um, drawing some 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 uh, ideas from Marx. But yeah, what did you guys make of it? Um, I thought, I mean, one thing on the way you introduced it, you know, it's a, of a particularly privileged set, and I think it absolutely is. I mean, if you talk about you know the Davos set or you know people who holiday in kind of fancy destinations or whatever yes but i think the the interesting thing is that it has um not appeal i mean that effectively cosmopolitan modes of of thinking and behaving have um are much more widely adopted i mean widely at least amongst the middle class but people who aren't necessarily uh, necessarily wealthy and i think that's quite uh, an interesting thing um precisely because uh, aris highlights that um 
that you know th- these are that it's he ties it to empire basically to cosmopolitanism and and you know the the way that cosmopolitans today look to um old imperial capitals like maybe uh vienna during the habsburgs or uh istanbul during the ottomans uh, it wasn't called istanbul then but anyway uh, as um as exemplars of cosmopolitan living um but he argues precisely that it's something that is only applicable or really only suited to empire and not to self rule um but today you get actually um you get it uh, you get people being cosmopolitans in in the imperial capital so in london or new york or paris uh, these are all part of uh, at least the empire of finance and perhaps the american empire and so they're that's why maybe cosmopolitanism appeals in these places but not in other places where there might be uh, more distance from power and therefore more of a desire for self rule yeah so i should say i mean um so aris is my phd student at the university of kent and um you know so may, i mean many of his pieces within herd i think are even if i don't agree with all of them uh, tremendously insightful and i think you know this piece is no exception the particularly i mean you know and he captures that point that it's not just kind of um, i don't know people who go to davos but the taste making classes like he says it's um and the indication that it's also part of a it's a wider kind of category um in which uh, that element you know, it goes beyond the kind of the super wealthy and the oligarchs, but nonetheless is uh, a set of ideas that are essentially congruent with the, you know, the politics and economics of that outlook. So it's a broad kind of broad range of social strata. Hey there, you've reached the end of a short excerpt from an episode that's been released only to our patrons. If you'd like to join us and gain access to around two Patreon exclusive episodes a month, please go to patreon.com slash We'd love to have you.